0: We know the why human trafficking work is needed, to fight for the freedom of modern-day slaves. But love, passion, commitment isn't all you need to be an effective and successful anti-trafficking advocate. Learn the how. I'm Dr. Celia Williamson, Director of the Human Trafficking and Social Justice Institute at the University of Toledo. Welcome to the Emancipation Nation podcast, where I'll provide you with the latest and best methods, policy, and practice Discussed by experienced experts in the field so that you can cut through the noise, save time, and be about the work of saving lives. Welcome to the Emancipation Nation, episode 177. Today, I have with me Kiana Marshall, who is uh, an expert in the field of anti trafficking work. And why is she an expert? Because she has lived experience and has turned that lived experience into something very pro-social and positive. And that's what we want survivors to do, to be leading in this area. So welcome, Kiana. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah. And so can you tell us a little, you just wrote a book. So first of all, can you tell us the name of the book?
1: The book is called "Being Kiana Marshall: Surviving Sex Trafficking and the Federal Criminal Justice System." Yes,
0: yeah, so that is a mouthful so let's let's break that down. Can you tell us a little bit about how did you even get involved in sex trafficking as a victim of sex trafficking?
1: I was around thirteen years old when my mom had some distant family um visiting and I would babysit that distant family's uh children and I didn't know I knew what she did and I'm not sure if my mother knew that I knew but I knew we were dropping her off to a brothel Mm. um you know that was her daily work and that's where we just dropped her off she's at work we didn't really know what was going on um but over time I put two and two together and as I started becoming curious about boys she groomed me um to not just entertain men who were not giving me money. Um, she didn't say sell your body. She didn't really even encourage me to have sex, but she definitely said, oh, when I would talk about a boy and how I met him and you know maybe how far we went, she would say, oh, well, what is he giving you? And so early on, around 13, I figured that I wasn't um, doing it right. And whenever I would say what a guy gave me, I would get... Um, praise and a girls, and good for you, you know. Mm-hmm. And then she had a friend who owned an escort service. Uh, she was reluctant to refer me to babysit, and I was able to. My mom let me, so things started out okay. And then that's when the grooming continued from someone else. Um, and that is where she picked me up early from school. Um, I was having problems with my mom at home. So she would always tell me, you know, you don't have to listen to her. You don't even have to live with her. You might as well just live over here. You're over here all the time anyway. Uh, She would provide me with drugs and alcohol. And then she had me answering the phone lines to her escort service. She had the largest escort service in Anchorage, Alaska with full page ads in the phone book and newspapers.
0: So you were, you were, were you originally from Alaska? Yes, I was born and raised in Anchorage. And so through your life, at least your early impressionable years with the opposite sex, you were sort of socialized and groomed to think this is normal. You know, what am I getting from you that's tangible um, in this relationship before I give up anything? What am I getting? And so that kind of takes off from there. And you you start working these phone lines on her behalf, and I don't want to I don't want you to give away what happens because that's just a, a a setup for somebody who's very vulnerable to be trafficked. And I don't want you to tell your whole story because I want people to buy the book and I want people to read it and just devour it and learn you know put themselves in your shoes and learn really really what it's like. But any other nugget that you want to share with us? Because part of it, you in the title is federal criminal justice system. So, anything you want to share more about the book or that system?
1: Um, I would say that um, after surviving exploitation, uh, my interactions with the police were horrible. Um, Anchorage, Alaska, would do these prostitution bust, detail bust. Um, Officers exposing their genitals and, um you know, having inappropriate sexual conduct and making fun of me for having a pimp. And they never liked me from the gate. So when my exploiter was federally indicted, I was elated. I was happy. I was celebrated. I'd start traveling, took trips, tried to see who I was. And that lasted a short six months because after I was indicted oh, for wow.
0: conspiracy
1: and my own exploitation.
0: And so, wow, that, and you know, we've started to have these conversations about real system imposed trauma, people that don't get it, going well beyond trauma informed care. Systems actually imposing the harm and the trauma, and they're supposed to be the good guys. And so, yeah. How did, how did it come about that you were criminalized for your own victimization?
1: Um, because they seen me get in trouble. They never, I mean, they would make fun of me. They, the story was she did this on her own and she was a prostitute. That was the story. Um, and even crazier in the book, I talk about how I had two traffickers and the woman who, um, for lack of better term, turned me out, um, became a part of this criminal case and was able to give my name up and escape any penalties, even though it was well known and many calls went onto the tip hotline that she had exploited me as a teenager. So the cops are saying things to me while I'm arrested, like, don't worry, your pimp should be here any minute. And he was able to pick me up. Um, and continue to abuse and exploit me. And they just um, would give me citations or take me to jail for a day or two for prostitution charges and make fun of me for having a pimp. And that's because I wasn't the type of victim that they wanted to rescue or whatever. I mean, which nobody needs rescuing anyway. We need um, alternative options to create opportunities to escape. And they just um, didn't like me from the gate. We would always exchange words. And it was a very terrible time. It was definitely a hazing session every time law enforcement came into contact with me.
0: One called me a whore little girl. Oh, my God. So, you know, so they became a part of a system that exploited and traumatized and re traumatized through their exposing themselves come on and talking to you harshly you and you as a young person who has just been a victim a victim of a felony crime this is sad but i'm glad that you are saying this on air because people need to know that you know i wrote an article about some police officers some not all but i wrote an article about Mm -hmm. some police officers and what they're actually really doing you know, and so uh, we need to have those conversations about systems that re-trigger, re-traumatize, and also victimize people. I mean, this is so can you tell me and and, and let me just mention that you had enough self-esteem to say something back, which Oh, and they sure didn't
1: you, like that. Yeah, they did not appreciate that. No, um, one time they tried to bust me, they didn't get to that time, but they said, okay we are going to charge you with loitering in a place of prostitution because the woman that I was with agreed to have sex with the undercover. The undercover was, um, is this an adult podcast? Yes. (laughs) Okay. He was receiving oral sex from a friend of mine. He offered me money and I felt uncomfortable because I couldn't put my finger on it, but something just wasn't right. So he asked me to go to the bathroom because he wanted to eliminate me as a witness while he continue oh. to engage in sexual misconduct. However, I stood right um, just slightly out of his eye shot, but plenty was there to see. And he decided after wearing a green condom, he snatched himself out of her mouth and said, okay, ladies. And then he went to the door and opened the door and the police rushed in. And I was like, what is going on here? And they were like, well, we need the condom for evidence. And then my friend said, oh, you mean the one that he's wearing right now? Wow. Wow. (laughs) And, um, he also gave me alcohol. So I told them, um, you know, I am 18 years old. Your undercover officer just gave me beer. So I don't want to answer any questions under the influence. And he didn't get in any trouble. Um, Mm -hmm. and I had to argue my way out. Of a loitering charge when I didn't even do anything. So that was um, a very rough time in my life. My family couldn't understand what was going on with me. Um, Police were not exactly the heroes in my situation. Um, There wasn't any preventative care, there was just belittling and stuff like that. So when I got in trouble, um, I told my public defender, Uh, This cop has exposed himself to me and called me names. I don't feel comfortable with him leading this investigation. And he was like, well, is it going to be a problem? And I said, yes. And he was like, oh, I was just asking you. He's still going
0: to do it. Oh, wow. So no voice, no choice, no power. And so, Kiana, how did you move from that situation and those situations to um, did you ever go to jail or to prison? Yes. Oh, yes, I did.
1: Um, I went to federal prison um, and I went in December 2009 and I was released in March 2012. And then I was placed on probation
0: for three years. Hey, I want to break into this episode for a moment. I want to remind you that survivors of sex trafficking experience trauma as a result. Trauma informed care is something we learn so that we don't re traumatize victims. However, trauma informed care will not lower someone's trauma we have survivors that need to heal inside. Most quality direct service workers connect survivors to needed services like healthcare, housing, legal services, and more. But these services, while necessary, won't address the internal trauma. Even when we connect them to trauma treatment counselors, they spend about an hour a week addressing traumas that have taken over their entire lives. They need so much more. Connecting someone in needed housing won't fix the brokenness inside. Arresting their trafficker allows them justice, but it won't heal the internal pain. Linking them to a lawyer won't take them to a place of reclaiming their freedom and experiencing genuine joy. Walking alongside survivors to provide support, nurturing, love, kindness, and to build relationship is critical, but they also need the tools to regain the power, choice, and voice internally. Healing the internal pain requires survivors to do the internal work. I've worked with and studied the issue for almost 30 years. I recently wrote a book outlining the 12 journeys that survivors need to go on to heal the trauma and to live the life they truly wanna live. I'd love to train you to be a group facilitator leading survivors toward the internal healing they need. The training is the TNT Survivors Journey Group. Let me train you to facilitate these important groups and put survivors on their path to living the life they want and experience the freedom and joy they deserve. To learn more, go to my website, CeliaWilliamson.com and watch the free webinar to learn more about the course. I look forward to training you and helping you help survivors to heal. And now, on with the podcast.
1: And so in February 2020, I was indicted for a failure to register as a sex offender because I did not understand the laws of the sex offender registry that I was initially told that I wouldn't have to even be registered with. And so I got a failure to register charge in 2020, and it was during the pandemic, and I spent an additional 11 months in federal detention. So I am now 34, and this original case happened when I was about 21 years old, and all these years later, it's still coming back to haunt me, it's still traumatizing me, it's still limiting me, and I can't be the best me that I can be because I've got all of this traumatic legal baggage.
0: So you have you this felony on your, on your record you have this sex offender registry that you have to uh, report. And why, why do you have, why are you on a sex offender registry? Okay. So my abuser uh,
1: trafficked all kinds of women. And there was two minors, one that I explicitly knew. I knew of her. We were exploited together and then Another one that I had seen one time, I didn't have any conduct with her. Um, And although I was just 19 myself, um, they charged me with a conspiracy to commit sex trafficking of women and children. So out of all of the plea deals that I could plea, they wanted me to have that one because um, there is a lot of funding. For. Rescuing children out of sex trafficking, and if they can number crunch me as a trafficker rather than the victim that I was, then they stand to make a profit yet again, exploiting me.
0: Yeah, and I think the the way the law is written currently, this is an important conversation because there is this is a very common experience um, in that people are, victims are manipulated, exploited, abused, and used. And then once they turn 18, and they're still under the control of the trafficker, though it may not be physical chains, like people like to think of the cartoon version of trafficking, it's more emotional um, chains, then that person becomes victimized by the state. The state then prosecutes them and puts them in prison as a trafficker. And this has been happening, uh, this collateral damage, what we call it, because people are zealots and they're running to their legislators and they're passing these laws and they're they're not looking an inch deep in how these laws are going to affect real people's lives who have been traumatized and victimized. It's another form of victimization and exploitation. And people are, you know... Their political career is skyrocketing, and people are patting themselves on the back that they're passing these laws. But what's actually happening is they don't know enough about the fallout and what's going to happen to real people's lives, like yours. So, how do you, how does a, a Kiana Marshall go through all of this, and then come out of it? to help other people, not come out of it, you know, wanting to hurt society, but come out of it wanting to help society. Tell me how that happens.
1: Um, you know, I still have a very soft spot for, um, trafficking survivors. I know what it's like to be right there. Um, even though, you know, there may be competition with girls and attitudes, drugs, alcohol and cattiness, but at the same time, we all shared an experience and that experience will never leave me. So if I see somebody that is um, experiencing it now, I still have compassion and empathy for them and they don't have to live that way um, until they die, until they are killed, until they are considered NHI by police. Um, and tell us
0: what NHI is
1: no humans involved. And I don't know about everywhere else, but in Alaska, when a woman or man who was known as a prostitute is murdered, they call it NHI and it's, they say it's to keep the officers from having feelings. But when that person was not, or if that person was not known as a prostitute, then we're allowed to feel again. And so that's the dehumanization um, by officers, by buyers, and by exploiters. Mm-hmm. That person is a human being, and everybody and every interaction that they may encounter does not see them as one.
0: Yeah, and it's ridiculous because, let's just face it, anybody that's murdered is not called an NIHI. But this is something that has actually been documented that that is happening and has happened in the past. So Kiana, you not only wrote a book about your experiences, but you also are involved in the work. So can you tell us about your organization? I know you started a a nonprofit. So what's it called and what do you all do?
1: So the umbrella organization is called Restorative Community Concepts. and under that organization, we run three programs. One is called We survived, and that is to provide resources and opportunities to survivors of sex trafficking. And then there's alternative route re-entry services that will be providing resources to those re-entering society from the criminal justice system. And then a non, or a not, It is a for-profit organization called Elroy Auto, and that is a charitable auto service that is available for low income. Um, we are accepting normal customers because that is how we hope to contribute to the nonprofit organization. Um, things are just started, but I definitely know I'm taking steps in the right direction. And even without funding, um, as a survivor who has combed the entire 50 states for resources, um, I definitely can help somebody get in touch with money, get in touch with escape flights, get in touch with temporary and potentially permanent housing and pretty much anything. So um, without money, I'm able to help and I have been, but I'm definitely looking to expand on that.
0: Awesome. And so your husband runs the auto portion of the the program correct yes yeah what a wonderful person to say what can i do and i i'm sure that he's an auto mechanic and said well this is how i can contribute the, these are the things that we're asking people to do what are your talents what are your skills that you already have because best believe you can step forward and someone needs that talent or needs that particular skill and so Kiana um you know where might we see Kiana in 3 years or 5 years um uh, hopefully not on the sex offender registry that is my hope that's what, say that girl that's right <laughs> that's oh. <laughs> my hope good good and so you're also uh thinking about you're in school or you're thinking about going back to school what what's on that front um,
1: right now, I am in my last semester of my business associates looking to transfer for a bachelorate. I have got um, quite a bit of credit, so I should be pretty close to a bachelor's. I found a community college was like much cheaper, and I started off in regular college, and that was expensive. And I started college when I was um, still in the life looking for a way out, and so Uncle Sam became my sugar daddy, and I got all those student loans. and <laughs> as did I then somewhere <laughs> along the way, I got serious.
0: Yes, yes, that is amazing. And so people, you know, people that are listening to this podcast, they really want to help survivors. And I mean, they genuinely want to help survivors. So can you give us some of your jewels of wisdom on what we should be doing and what we should not be doing?
1: Um, I think that asking someone why they didn't leave or viewing them or calling them a prostitute, um, judgment is just, um, you know, even if you're, if you're going to help, help with an open heart and help with an open mind, if you're not prepared to give them more than their trafficker, then please leave them alone. Nobody wants to go into a van and into a shelter where they're sleeping in a room with five other girls and you're giving them these clothes, you know, um, the lifestyle that the abuser provides is maybe the only reason the girl stays. Um, you know, you see her on Twitter. These people are not being hidden in a dungeon. You see a girl on Twitter. She's got everything. She's got the latest handbags and the nicest clothes and shoes and a very nice living room setting to take a picture in the back of. And, for you to take that away from her um that is all she has is a mirror of success um that is really um you know a lot dirtier behind the scenes and in the details and so if you are going to give to somebody give them the best that you can
0: absolutely we have to at least try to match our competition with something that is a nice warm safe place with good genuinely authentic loving people that's how we compete and uh Kiana what is the where can people find your book what's your website and do you do presentations i can do presentations
1: i've done some i'm pretty new to consulting work but it has been going great um i was able to consult with the department of defense and some other organizations larger organizations so Um, So far, I'm liking it. I'm loving it. It's paying great. I just need that consistency. So I am definitely open for presentations and consultations.
0: Awesome. And what's your website and uh, where can they find your book?
1: Okay. So if you want to go to Instagram, survivor underscore conversations is where the link to my book is. Um, There's also TikTok and that's I Survive Sex Trafficking. One word, except for there's no E in sex. It's I survived SX trafficking, all one word. Um, And then if you look up being Kiana Marshall on Google, it will show up on Amazon and everywhere else. And as for restorative community concepts website, it is rcc.gr-website.com. It is new and we are on those free websites. <laughs>
0: <laughs> awesome. You got to start somewhere as you're growing your business. So thank you so much, Kiana. Thank you for taking the time to really be on this podcast. I know you're a busy. I know you're about your business. I see you on social media. I see you on LinkedIn and your business profile. So thank you so much for taking the time to educate us enlighten us. And I do hope that you will get some support that people will purchase the books, that people will reach out for you to to give them an authentic presentation about your experience, but more importantly, about their systems and how their systems can do so much better. So thank you so much. And thank you for being in in my home state, Ohio. So I just (laughs) want to give a shout out to that in case people in Ohio would like you to do a presentation. But thank you again so much, Kiana, and, and much success to you.
1: Thank you so much. And it's been a pleasure.
0: That was Kiana Marshall, her book, Being Kiana Marshall. Kiana said, work with an open mind and an open heart if you're going to work with survivors. You know, strong women, they know what they've been through. And they continue to get stronger every day. I believe Kiana needed a hero. And so that's what she became. Nakia Homer says, behind every strong woman is a story that gave her no choice. We wish you much success in the future, Kiana. And as we say, the fight continues. Let's not just do something. Let's do the best thing. If you like this episode of Emancipation Nation, please subscribe and I'll send you the weekly podcast. Until then, the fight continues.